1: Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of the Forbes Factor. As I am back in the United States, if you've been following my journey around the world, um, I have been in Greece for four weeks, and then I was off in New York City, and uh, and then... So traveling around, I have great, amazing photos of my trip. I went with my 19-year-old daughter for three weeks, and then we were joined by her twin brother. We have photos that are just extraordinary. i was showing them today. How you open up your door in the morning and you're at the top of just white Santorini mountains looking down on the water and, oh my God, romantic and fun and a great way to bond with my kids. Riker came and we saw the Parthenon and we did all the archaeological stuff. And then I came home and I've got two 19-year-olds running around Europe. So if you see them, say hi. They're in a boat right now in the middle of Croatia, uh, which is just, I, from what I see, spectacular. And, you know, I, I think as I'm talking and teaching all that I'm doing. I'm writing a new book, my newest book coming out, and if you'd like a copy, let me know, called The ABCs of Pitching, The Secrets to Truly Getting What You Want, Influence, Persuasion, and Success. Yay! Uh, But my guest today is somebody that I met uh, a while back in Las Vegas, and he is just, you know, if I were a guy and I wasn't going to be Joshua, I'd be him. There is a steampunk funkiness about this man, energetic tap dancer, which is, you know, that's my heart. And if you're playing along, you can see him on the screen right now. I'm going to share that is Doc Phineas. Many of you guys know him. I think he's like a real life Indiana Jones, adventure archaeologist, lives around the world, stars in TV shows, does movies, and just the sweetest, most energetic soul. And so ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's hand it over to Doc Phineas. Are you out there, my friend?
2: I am out there. Forbes, thank you. What a nice opening. I mean, where do you go from this? Just a, a joint tap number.
1: <laughs> I know, really. You know, let's. the two of us are going to do a double time step and blow your minds, I promise. Well, you know, you, you and I have been friends forever, and you recently reached out to me. And uh, first of all, the pictures of you lately, my friend, are just extraordinary. You look younger and fitter and happier than ever. We'll talk about that in a minute. Because on my show here on Forbes Factor, we focus on health Wealth and happiness, and one of the things I want to share with everyone, with you, is I want you to tell a bit of your story, introduce who you are, because you and I are kind of the definition of perseverance. How do you keep going, reinventing yourself, and do it with a joy and smile on your face? Yes.
2: Well, I'm. You know, I hate to say this, but it's kind of effortless on my part. It just seems to be the energy flowing through me. That being said. Uh, I've done my homework. So when I was 18 years old, uh, back in the 1960s, I headed off to India with Ram Das and some wild, wild people, you know, a bunch of gypsies. And we basically did that thing that kids were doing back in the 1960s, which was to travel and meet gurus and teachers and do yoga and uh, do all the things that a person does to try to bring enlightenment, balance, peace into your life. And I think that that's the force moving through me. I I made a connection uh, with my higher power, and that force just continues to sustain me, move through me, and and keep me doing the tap dance, whatever needs to be done to be relevant in the moment that we're living.
1: Well, let's go back to the beginning. You... In in the 50s, you were a child tap dancing star. You were all, I mean, you worked on television. How did that, let's go back to how you started. Where did you grow up?
2: So, um, you know, I was a very lucky person. They say you're lucky if you choose the right parents. So I chose this amazing mother to take birth with who took one look at me and she said, okay, I've just given birth to Gene Kelly, you know. (laughs) So at the age of three, she started putting me in tap classes, voice classes, every single thing that she could give me as a tool to use. And by the age of five, I was out there, you know, performing. And she took me off to Hollywood and took me right up to Walt Disney and said, this is my son. And I think he needs to work with you. And Disney looked at me and he said, well, you've got the biggest eyes I've ever seen. So. I started being on Disney, a uh, wild world of color. Um, I was on, you know, a guest on Mouseketeers and I got a permanent tapping position at the age of five on the Pinky Lee show. It's kind of the mini me of Pinky Lee. And so one thing led to another. The next thing I knew I was being directed by Hitchcock and uh, just in stuff like Gunsmoke, The Real McCoys, um, Lassie, you know, making guest appearances on all these shows.
1: Now, did you enjoy this back then? Because, you know, one of the things that I tried to do when my kids were little is push them into into, tap into dance class. I grew up as a dancer, and I can only say... Oh, wow. Oh, I don't know if you know that. I'm a professional Broadway dancer, but I can only... And I tap danced my way into Bob Hope's heart uh, in 1977 on the Miss Teenage America pageant. But I can only say this now that My kids are both successful in a different area, but can you imagine, Doc, I had the two of them in dance class, and I never saw two kids that so didn't belong. Let's just say that nicely. As a mom, I yeah. was hoping to live vicariously through them and they were just had no, they had no skills whatsoever. And I'm looking at this going, oh no, that's what I wanted. <laughs> I mean, I, right. now, I can only say that now. Uh, quickly pulled them out and they never, <laughs> it was very embarrassing. I had, I had to really come to Jesus with myself going, yeah, you cannot push your kids where they're not supposed to go. And the irony is you know, 15 years later, they're about both 19 now. They're very successful entrepreneurs uh, and writers, and, and they're geniuses. I just didn't realize that you have to be very careful and let kids find their own zone of genius. So your mom was pretty – you know, you were pretty lucky that you loved doing that. And then so you get well, to – Well,
2: yeah, on- and I, I think my mom and I – I know, I know this sounds weird, but I believe in reincarnation. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that she and I have had many lifetimes together. We're just like two peas out of the same pod. She was an actress. And and she said she had me quite late in life, like in her 40s, with, with her other children like 11 and 12 years older than me. So I was like a really last thought, you know, about this. And And I think that it was just an amazing bond where – uh, every morning she would do Mangalarti at, at 5 a.m., which meant meditation, breathing techniques, pranayama. And as a little kid, she put her hands over my hands. So she was imparting a lot of Shakti uh, into me. And I was just right on the same page with her. You know, just uh, absolutely my guru. And uh, we were we were in total collaboration. My father, that was a different situation because... The whole time I was in show business, my father was saying, well, I don't think it's really a career. I think you need something in the sciences. Pick out something you like. Get a good education. And it it can't just be always Hollywood. So because my father was in there pushing me, I went ahead and got my Ph.D. in archaeology. You know, I, I went to Berkeley with very, very great teachers like 21 Nobel laureates, got a Fulbright, headed off to Egypt to study the King Tut. Uh, ex, uh you know ex, uh, exhibition and then also went on to india where i did almost 7 years of anthropological work working on my on my postgraduate degrees so i ended up getting a phd on top of this film career so my whole life i've been this kind of schizophrenic going back and forth between film and stage and also teaching um uh, and, and going to archaeological digs, just like you've been to, uh, I have three students right now from UNLV that are at the Parthenon. So I just went to Greece, like you, not too long ago, and they're like, this is all your fault. Look at us. <laughs> they're sitting there at the Parthenon with these blocks, trying to glue them back together. Block number 3876,
1: you know. <laughs> right, so I have a question for you. So as a reincarnation, and not everybody does believe, but are you digging up your ancestors? What's going on here?
2: Well, very possibly I I did find out in my DNA that, you know, I was thought I was a French guy and I found out that I'm almost twenty five percent Egyptian and I'm ancient, ancient Egyptian. So um I'm actually in the lineage of the Pharaoh Horem Heb, uh, who was came right after King Tut. And I felt, you know, some nights I was in the Cairo Museum like at two AM, uh working in a room where there's like two thousand mummies. And I, I would be sitting there going, did I see something move?
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, that would just completely blow my mind. You know, it's funny because so
2: it's, I do- it's really been an interesting journey, and I really am the really Indiana Jones. I'm, I'm the guy that would climb through these little holes, you know, and get in there with a the flashlight. And now, you know, when I take students to Egypt, uh, we have, like, ground scanners. We have, like, drone technology. So, you know, like they know what's down there before you go in. They just make a little incision and put a drone through. I'm like, you guys are wimps. Come on. You know, Like I come from the age where you crawl through. And um, and it, it's very, very a different field now than it was when I first started in the 60s, you know. Well, but I, um, still very, you. very involved with, with archaeology. And that's why I'm on all these TV shows. You know, I'm the main expert, like, Uh, of all antiquities on the History Channel for shows like Pawn Stars. And I'm on Mysteries at the Museum with Don Wildman. Uh, You know, I'm on, I'm even on Jay Leno's Garage and, you know, talk about Jay Leno's cars that come, the early, early cars that run on Steam and stuff like that.
1: Wow. Well, speaking of Steam, uh, and I only, and I'm also a huge fan of Steampunk. Now I've been showing your pictures, but remember we're also on have no idea what is steampunk and why are you such a fan of it? And it looks so good on you.
2: Oh, thank you. Well, you know, it's it's an interesting genre. It's a subgenre of a subgenre, but it's basically Victorian science fiction is what it's based on. And my whole life, I was such a fan of Jules Verne. In fact, my name, Doc Phineas, came from you know. Phineas Fib- Fogg uh, from around the world in 80 days. My mother was a big fan of David Niven. And so she really kept pushing me in that direction that I should be like Phineas Fogg. So, um, you know, I I just met this guy. His name was K.W. Jeter. And he wrote this amazing book, which was called Morlock Night. So it was what happened When the guy went on the time machine, uh, N.H.G. Wells, the time machine, he goes back and he meets the Morlocks and he goes back and lives with them. And he wrote the next genre of that. And I said, so what do you call this where people are time traveling from the 19th century? and, And, you know, they're sort of appearing here in 2022 and they're in top hats, they're in tails, walking around completely befuddled. And he said, well, I don't know. We have cyberpunk. I guess we could call it steampunk. And that's how Jeter coined the word 32 years ago in Berkeley. And oh, wow. so I kind of took the idea and ran with it. And we started steampunk clubs where people dressed in the, in that attire and considered themselves to be time travelers Um Kind of like in the old TV show, Dark Shadows, Barnabas Collins would go from 1969, he would go back to 1867. So we're like that. You know, we're traveling back and forth in time. And we have our own conventions. It's a big thing now. And I'm the world president of the Steampunk Guild.
1: Okay, I did not know that. So I'm going to tell you, I'm a huge, huge fan of steampunk. My dad is a magician. He's an inventor. I have a thing for gears. I always have. I get flown over to England one day, and I wake up in a town called Camden. I've never been there. But it is, I think it's run by vampires. The entire, and they're out, like, they're closed. You know how in the old days, like, things would come outside, like, you hang out things outside. The entire town is devoted to steampunk. And I brought back oh all of it. Now that you've got a convention, I have to show up because I have top hats and shoes and I've got some of the wackiest clothes and they they don't go very well when I go shopping at Trader Joe's. So I need a place to wear them.
2: (laughs) Forbes, this is great news. You've got to come with me to my next convention. I mean, I I go to like Southwest Florida Steampunk Convention.
1: Oh, dude.
2: You have to 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 go with me. They're going to take you in like long lost homegirls.
1: I am so freaking there. And can you imagine dressing Joshua's body in some sort of like exposed steam? Oh, my God. We're going to have so much fun. Uh, You guys heard it here. We're going to have
2: so much fun. I mean, look at us. We're tap dancers. We're time travelers. What else? Fitness gurus. That's a great connection. And I so admire you, frankly, because I think you are one of those just amazing inspirers that – you keep people inspired. A lot of people get on the path of yoga. And and right now I'm doing a lot of television commercials that's for senior dimensions. You know, I'm, I'm the face of Medicare. So I'm that guy out there that's 72 years old, giving other guys hope that, oh, gee, maybe I could possibly get back to a 32-inch waistline, you know. Maybe I can walk again. Uh, I had a guy call me today and he said... I just want to do what you're doing because after COVID, I feel like hell and I just can't seem to get my life back. And I'm watching you right now on a Medicare commercial. So I think you and I are those people out there giving people hope that you can age just wonderfully, beautifully, fantastically, get younger and younger every year. And it's something I honestly believe. Uh, And it's such so much a part of my life right now.
1: Well, I just love that. You know, I was blessed in my career to hang out with Jack LaLanne for eight years of his life. He passed away about 10 years ago, but his wife, Elaine LaLanne, is 90. the best.
2: He was the best. I loved him. I loved Jack LaLanne.
1: You know, you talk about fantastic people on this planet. I feel like I touched one of the greatest humans to ever live uh, and spend time at his home. There was something insanely magical about being around him that I've never, i I've never experienced since before or will ever probably, but he invented the Hong Kong concept of fitness and by association, his beautiful wife of more than 50 years, Elaine, uh, we spend time with her. She's 96 and I think, and a lot of my crew has met her through masterminds and she shows up on my birthday party Zooms. Uh, but I think the secret to her success is that she laughs she laughs all the time. She's always freaking happy. It doesn't matter. She just, and it's it's so delightful to see that. And she said to me, look, her, my, her 60s were the very best years of her life. And so I have every intention of making that my story as well. So I'm right there with you, my brother. All right, hang on. So let's- um, I
2: love that. You, you know, too. he really influenced so many people in such subtle ways. But I remember one day- Jack LaLanne was on television and he said, so I have seniors calling me saying, Jack, I'd like to eat a lot of salad. I'd like to eat a lot of fresh fruit, but I don't, I can't chew like that anymore. I, how do you do that? And he says, here is my secret, the blender. <laughs> and he would pull his blender out and he says, just put it all in there. It's all going to the same place. You know, come on, get your greens, get your salad, blend it in, make a good green smoothie every morning, Right. There, that one little thing can save so many people's lives.
1: Well I don't you know, know, if just, you know just, just showing them you know, how to do it, you know. Well we had, we had a we had a we had an infomercial together that played for eight years in eighty countries, grossed a billion dollars in sales for his Jack lalanne powered juicer. That was me. And if you go on YouTube you're like, oh that really was Forbes Riley. Uh, right after my I remember.
2: Were- yeah. I remember so- that. Yeah. So when, and you around- have you are that and you are still that. And uh, I think uh, people like yourself and myself, what we're showing people is that, you know, 60 is the new 30. You know, you don't have to age. You don't have to be decrepit. Why even buy into that thought? Uh, I mean, right now I'm on eight television shows with four new movies in the wings. I'm the best I've ever been at 72. And I don't, think i had this kind of energy and fortitude even in my 20s i don't think i was quite there because my diet wasn't fine tuned now i've got all of this life experience i've studied with all these gurus like in india who taught me about diet nutrition yoga waking up every morning getting out of bed and doing your asanas don't just give it lip service be the real thing you know And all of those things are saving my life at this moment, literally saving my life so that I can be this person uh, that I am in the world.
1: You know, it's funny because Joshua, who I know you know very well, just launched his his fitness program. Uh, He has a very unique way of lifting, you know, lifting weights and building muscle. In the last two years since his car accident, he has completely rebuilt his entire body better than it ever was before. And he just won two national titles because of it. It's been, and 45 which is for a bodybuilder kind of insane. I think Arnold retired in his early thirties because at some point it just doesn't work the same way. And uh, it'd be fun to have you guys down here. We own a television studio. Maybe we'll film some of, you know, I didn't realize that you were so into yoga and that, and Mm -hmm. if you don't have a program out, there are ways that we can see what you do and have access to that. We, we, you and I should talk. All right, we have three minutes to the end of my very first break. I'm going to keep you on the entire hour if you're willing to hang with me because I'm loving this conversation. But let's launch into how did Pawn Stars happen for you? Guys, that's a TV show on History Channel. was wildly successful. Still watch the reruns. I'm not sure if it's still going. But how did that start for you?
2: Um, so um, basically, I was uh, teaching. And uh, I was in my, my office at UNLV. And I had about, I think we had like 65 students for archaeology one. And I was in there talking about antiquities. How if you spend enough time, you know, really doing the research, really getting in there and digging in, I was trying to inspire my students, Uh, then it's just like breathing. You can look at something and say, okay, that's real. I know what that is. And that is a fake. (laughs) And suddenly, you know, like Rich Harrison shows up from Pawn Stars and he's like, I need you on my show. (laughs) It was like, you know, he said, I've got some of the best people and still they get foiled. You know, people come in with stuff that they can make reproductions right now, like in China, that looks so authentic that you really can't tell, is that a real antique or is that a fake antique? And so he brought me on the show and I know I was sort of like a dream buster for some people. I'd have people come in and say, eh, this has been my family for 800 years, (laughs) you know, and I would look at it and say, "You know, I was just at cost plus. I just thought on the counter, it's not worth eight thousand dollars. You can buy it right now for seventy nine ninety five <laughs>
1: Oh, you know, actually, we have we have, one minute, we have one minute till my break. I have a very funny story about that. I was over in England and I found what I thought was the coolest looking giant clock, integrated in gears and just my style. And I had them wrap it up and I had to carry it home on the plane. It was a monster to get home. I went to cost to World Plus, or, and guess what? It was a replica, and they had right there for $19.99. I'm like, oh my god, I got fooled. So you have a great place in this world. All right, guys, we're gonna take a quick break to thank my sponsors, and we we'll be right back. We'll be here with Doc Phineas to a little bit more about how to become a superstar in your 70s. Oh my God, don't go away, I'll be right back after this.
0: Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley.
1: Hey, hey, you guys. We're having just such a blast. My dear friend, Doc Phineas, is on the phone. He is not on a Zoom call. So on Facebook, you're only going to get to see photos I'm flashing, which are just, I think, extraordinary. He looks like he truly walked out of my favorite movie was a time machine. I grew up watching that movie just thought it was just genius. And what a concept to, to go back and forth. And, and as a magician, one of the things that I, my dad instilled in me is this amazing sense of wonder about life and that everything is not quite what you see what we're learning today is I never really got into a deep conversation about his whole, his, you know, his whole archeological world and his whole sense of traveling over to India. I had a, I lived on an ashram for a while in my early twenties, again, things that most people just typically don't know about me either, and fell in love with it. And maybe that's part of the spirit that shifts your soul to vibrate higher. Doc, what do you think about that?
2: Well, yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, I I just sort of had this love affair um, with travel. And uh, fortunately, I got to travel a great, great deal. Um, uh, in the 1960s, um, you know, it's kind of a big thing. We suddenly had these Pan Am jets that uh, could take us around the world. And I remember I bought my first ticket was completely around the world as long as you went in one direction. So I I took off from Berkeley, uh, from San Francisco, and you know San Francisco hopped to Hawaii, did some beautiful things on the Nepali coastline, some ceremonies with kahunas. And then I took off from there and I went to Japan. And when I got to Japan, I went to Kyoto and became a monk uh, at the Ryoanji Temple, which is that temple that has the beautiful raked rocks. And I studied Zen, Buddhism, and from there I went to Vietnam, to China, to mainland China, and then on to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to Thailand, Thailand to Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka to India, and crossed India seven times from from the tip of India all the way up to the Himalayas. And that was just an amazing, amazing experience, you know, to be like just, you know, like a 19-year-old guy and just out there experiencing the world with a backpack. Um, it was amazing. And I, I went on from India to Africa, trained through Africa, through Morocco, and all the way back up through England until I got to England and then back to America. And when I basically got back to America, I all I had left was one Egyptian robe. And uh, my, my bags, I'll never forget, were completely filled with artifacts, amazing artifacts from digs I have been on. And it's just that in those days, we could keep whatever we found, you know. So I had these incredible, incredible things from tombs and falcon mummies. And, and uh, so I, I call my parents. I, I think they're in New York. And she goes, no, we're in Las Vegas. You've got to come on to Las Vegas. So I get on the flight. I end up in Las Vegas. I'm arriving here in this long robe from Egypt with a bag completely filled with mummies. (laughs) (laughs) So they looked at me like I was really, you know, from outer space. It was so funny. And then to go to Las Vegas with everything going on in Vegas, you know, like a showgirls and money going around. And and here I've been in India, you know, meditating on the Ganges. My, my life has just had that sort of extreme kind of, um, you know, dichotomy to it between the the most beautiful places to be where you can meditate and uh, at the same time, the most wonderful places where you can have fun. So I just think that's all like, Two sides of one coin, Uh, and I loved what you said about Jack Lalanne's wife always laughing. That's something my guru, my spiritual master in India, was a woman. uh, Fantastic. Her name was Ananda Moima, and she basically picked me up hitchhiking. I I had no idea that she was the guru of Indira Gandhi and Mahatma Gandhi, and you know she was this great, great, amazingly elevated teacher. But uh, she used to talk about the power of laughter how if you laugh and laugh and laugh, you'll live forever. And uh, I, I think that there's just, you know, so many great lessons in life that I learned through travel. Don't you feel the same way?
1: Oh, my God. You know, I can, I- I'm waiting for the movie, The Doc Phineas Around the World in 80 Days to come out.
2: Don't yeah, you just- it really was like that. You know, I literally went around the world as this young guy. And my eyes just seeing so much wonder and and just privileged to making friendships that have lasted my whole life. Like, especially in India, uh, I, I became, through my guru, friends with the current Maharaja of Jodhpur. He's really the undisputed king of India. And so we, we sort of communicated throughout the years, and he decided uh, he could no longer levy taxes. He had no way to... to finance his, his palace. And his palace is 1.5 million square feet. Can you imagine? No. 1.5 million square feet. So he asked me if I would come to India and help him figure out how to turn that palace into a five-star hotel. We turned it into 360 guest suites. And now it's one of the finest hotels in the whole world. He's, he's a billionaire. Uh, it's, it's just so absolutely magnificent. And, um, he recently, we met in Seattle and we just did this fantastic thing that I curated at the Seattle museum, uh, called Peacock of the desert. And he sent over solid silver elephant pond that he rides in for ceremonial things on top of elephants and all of these things that had never left India. We, we showed the public and it just had such a magnificent experience. And that, whole thing happened because I was a 20-year-old guy kind of bumming around to India. And I just tried to meet, you know, keep my mind open and meet every person that I could meet. And and I met these great maharajas uh, who just are the most wonderful, generous, incredible people that I've, I've known for years and years and years. When I go back to India, I stay in palaces, you know. It's just, uh, it, it's such an incredible place of, you know, you have palaces and you have ashrams, so you have the two experiences.
1: Wow. I am, and I did not know all of this about you. This is one of my favorite hours so far. I have to introduce you to my dear friend, Robert Goldman. Have you ever heard of him? Robert is, he probably has more Guinness Book of World Records and patents than almost anyone in the world. He has, talk about a million square feet, he's got these two giant home museums. He's a longevity expert, traveling around the world. And when you go to his place, one of them is Chicago, and I got to go because I'm in the National Fitness Hall of Fame. But he has artifacts that countries gave him that, again, talk about that I probably should have never left the countries. It's like, I don't know if he is really 400 years old and we just don't know it. But I would love to connect the two of you. He's got an 80,000 square foot place in Montana just to house all the things that he has brought back from all around the world. You'd be amazed, absolutely amazed.
0: Oh,
2: I would love that. I just love those kinds of people that are collectors. And, and you know, Forbes, I'm doing quite a bit of that now. Um, I have a new television show called The Expert, and what I'm doing is the same things that I do on Pawn Stars, but I go out to these people's palatial, amazing homes, some of them not so palatial, but people who have traveled their whole lives and just have these great collections, and they don't always know what they've got. They're, they need some help in identifying what's good, which may be not so good. Uh, you know what what is keepable, what should be sold, what should be given back to a country. You know, and and it's really a lot of fun where we just get to walk in and see the amazing things that people have collected their whole lives, and I, I think that's a great function for people. Uh, Because a lot of times we just don't know. And there's not too many people left on the planet who do know the real provenance and the history of these artifacts.
1: So tell us what other programs you're on at the moment. People are just like, everyone's got amazing questions for you. Um, What programs? So you said you're on four (laughs) TV shows or eight TV shows. Bring me up to speed here.
2: So I'm currently appearing on Pawn Stars on the History Channel. And we're on the Best of Pawn Stars, and we just syndicated to ABC. So we're going to be on ABC on Saturdays at 5 o'clock right before football. So it's going to be a lot of fun this year. You get to watch your favorite Pawn Stars shows, and that's the Best of Pawn Stars, and I'm on there a lot. And then uh, the second show that I'm really loving is I'm on Mysteries at the Museum with Don Wildman, who's just an amazing person. And he has me as his main expert on the Titanic. So I'm telling all of these stories about the Titanic, things that we've found, artifacts that were floating in the water. And from an artifact, we tell the whole backstory of what happened and, and just unreal things happened on the Titanic. So that's a lot of fun. Then I'm on Jay Leno's garage and we're, we're filming our new season of that. And I'm going to be driving a real, the world's last Stanley steamer which runs on boiling water, $3 million car. And Jay and I are going to be driving all over Burbank, uh, California, in that car. So it's going to be – you've got to watch for that show. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then I'm on Fright Club right now, and that's with the Osbournes, and we do paranormal investigations. I'm starring in my own new TV show about paranormal investigations called The Savant Squad. I'm really out there in all of these shows right now across the board from, from paranormalism to artifacts – to also acting, you know, in savant squad.
1: I think this is awesome. You know, I have a funny story I'm going to tell you. So as I'm walking around the the Parthenon, I was reminded when my kids were there that when I was in school, and I want to say it might have been a freshman in high school, I had a very interesting Greek teacher uh, in history. And what he had us do, and you know, I think you should introduce this as a program. He He divided the class into threes. We each had to create a civilization from scratch. It, you know, what think about all the crazy things you would do if you were to build a brand new, like, you know, Atlantis or whatever, and think about how different New York is from Japan, different from Egypt, to create a civilization and then to create the things that they would do from art to pottery to whatever it happened to be. And then you had to go in with a hammer, break it up, and bury it in this little area. You would then switch groups, <laughs> you would dig it up and put together the pieces and surmise what you thought this civilization was all about. Isn't that fascinating?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's a great way to do it. That's a great way to do it, to go in by the piece. And sometimes, you know, like even here in Vegas, I got a telephone call from the CEO of Planet Hollywood. And he said, hey, Doc, you know, do you have a moment? Could you run down here? He said, we're excavating for a lower parking garage below the casino. And I'm finding some weird stuff down in that garage I think you better take a look at. Well, I get down in there and here in the dirt tons of Southern Paiute Anasazi pottery, pottery shards. I found a tibia, you know, a human tibia. There was all kinds of things underneath the casino. And he looked at me and he said, do you think that's why this casino's taken chapter eight so many times? I mean, when it was the Aladdin, you know, we've had problems. And he said, could it be because we built it on an Indian barrel ground? And I said, this is definitely... An Indian burial ground. So from one little pottery shard, we started painting a picture of these Native Americans who lived on the Las Vegas Strip. Uh, they, they go all the way back to the basket people um, that lived there like 10,000 years ago when the actual Vegas Strip was a stream. It was a running river, an arroyo. So, you know, there's a whole history there, layers and layers and layers and layers down in almost every major city in the whole world. Uh, Rome. We keep going deeper in Rome, and we find more civilizations, more civilizations, more civilizations. Athens, it's just strata after strata. If you go in the Polaka, you know, there at the Acropolis, I have a dig going on in the Polaka right now in Athens. So uh, where, where we've gone down six, seven, eight layers and found a, an amazing civilization that existed there long before what we even considered to be Greek civilization that's forcing us to rewrite the history books. They, the Greek civilization started much sooner than what we even expected so every day we're learning new things and especially with the new technology it's a little bit easier than it was back in the day of of how carter you know like just chipping away chipping away at the sand until he found the steps that led to king Tut. um so we have, we have uh, by the that, way
1: we have to find that time travel machine it would make this a whole lot simpler don't you think
2: oh it would it would um you know, we're getting ready to celebrate the hundredth year anniversary of the discovery of King Tut. And it's very exciting. Um, I, I curate here at the National Natural History Museum in Las Vegas, which is a fabulous museum. If you ever come to Vegas, it's, it, it's right on Las Vegas Boulevard. And I mean, we have an amazing, uh, Egyptian exhibit that I really worked very hard on with several other professors. And so, uh, this coming November 4th, I'm actually taking the public down in to see the tomb. And we've now got the tomb just exactly the way it looked when Harold Carter first put his, got his hole in there and he looked through and Lord Canaveral said, what do you see? And he said, wonderful things, marvelous things, amazing things. And so you're going to be able to experience that. Uh, here at our Natural History Museum. So we are gearing up for a big celebration of King Tut again this year, the 100th anniversary of the discovery. So there's just amazing things. There's so many wonderful things in life you can get involved with that stimulate your mind, that make you happy, that keep you positive. Why not dwell on those things? Get involved with those things. Good health, you know, good healthy habits getting up every day, starting out your day with yoga and breath of fire. You can do all of that rather than just waking up, pouring a cup of coffee, getting a horrible donut and listening to the hell of the news, you know, (laughs) whatever's going down. I think it's much better to wake up and get involved with archaeology, get involved with something that's stimulating and fun. Don't you, Forbes?
1: I'm, you know what, I'm loving listening to you. By the way, my audience is so global. I've got Brigida who just joined from Cape Town, Africa. We've got Stephen from Tanzania, East Africa on. We've got people listening from around the globe. I have a very unique audience. So they are just loving listening to you today. Um, For those of you who are just joining us, like Brigitte, just we're talking to Doc Phineas, who is uh, a professor of archeology, span a student of the world, uh, a yogi master, a monk, and a star of television and a tap dancer. Yeah, I don't know how you put that all into one biography, but he he makes it look really good. And I will keep showing you, uh, you know, visuals of what he looks like because he's on the phone today. But I will tell you one of the most charismatic and colorful characters I've ever had a chance to meet, hang out with, and I feel a crazy kinship because like I said, if I was a guy and I wasn't Joshua Fit, I'd want to be Phineas Fit. Ooh, Phineas Fit. <laughs> I just got it. Oh, that's there
2: so I cute. Go.
1: Well, now talk about Phineas You know,
2: Forbes, Fitt. You, you really have to come here and tap dance with me. Um, I'm in the strip in a great show called Alice. It's Alice in Wonderland, the completely done steampunk. That would kidding? be the perfect fit. And I come out as a Mad Hatter, and I'm tap dancing on these tables. At 72, I'm doing stuff that Fred Astaire did, you know, the wind the clock. I'm doing wings. And uh, <laughs> I've, I've actually heard the audience say, oh, my God, he's going to do that, right? He's going to do that. <laughs> and I show them, hey, look, you can be flexible. You can be tapping. You can be having so much fun in your 70s. But you've got to do your daily exercise. You've got to get in there, do the yoga, do your stretches. And now, of course, you know, I'm on this vibe board that I just absolutely love. That's my new silver bullet for keeping my body uh, just going. So, you know, I've got these things to to help seniors uh, keep dancing, keep tap dancing. And uh, really, next time you're in Vegas, you've got to come and tap with me, okay? Promise me
1: we're going to do this. I have my shoes right here. We've got 3 minutes to the end of my show. Uh, Doc calls yeah. me uh, about 6 months ago and he said, "You know, I know Josh was still, you know, hurting. I've been on this vibrational board." He sends me a photo of him that I swear was him 30 years ago. And it is this sexy, young, spry. I mean, you look so good in this. Let's and I went and bought one. So I'm a fan. If you guys want any information about Uh, what we're talking about in terms of the vibration, let me know because it's very much life-changing. Joshua's loving it. He won his competition. I think I feel better, Uh, but you've experienced some miracles. So share with us what you've been up to with the vibrational board.
2: So, um, you know, I I was having some problems post-COVID and I guess like everybody else, a lot of people got COVID before we knew what it was. Mine was early March of 2020 and I was appearing at a convention and people were there from around the world and we just didn't know, we didn't have testing, we didn't have vaccines or anything. So I did my herbs and I got through it. It was gone in four days. And then I got neuropathy in my legs. And I think maybe the universe gave me this so that I could help people who get neuropathy. It was very strange to suddenly have these tingling legs and tingling hands. And I met a wonderful guy from Japan, Dr. Asahi, who told me he had invented a machine in which astronauts were using so that when they go into outer space and they're up in the space station for over a hundred days, their muscles start to atrophy and they get neuropathy so bad that they have to immediately get in a wheelchair. And it, it was a very long recovery after going into outer space. So he built this wave platform, kind of looks like a big surfboard that you get on and, uh, you know, it, it just vibrates you at these frequencies that really keeps your blood flowing, keeps your limbs flowing, and will restore you, uh, you know, after you've had some trauma in your life. So I, I got on the vibe board. A week later, I was feeling better. Now I've been on it almost a year. I have no neuropathy, nothing. I'm completely rebuilt back. And just going on it 10 minutes a day, is, you know, equal to almost like 45 minutes of yoga, like, uh, you know, you get your cardiovascular uh, things that you would do in the gym for an hour. Just 10 minutes a day, you get that kind of body stimulation that retones your body, gets everything flowing again, gets your colon working, gets your everything, you know, all your organs working like a team. And I combine my Vibe Board experience with Qigong. And I'm a big person uh, about teaching Qigong and loving Qigong. I started the Yoga Qigong Center at Caesar's Palace. We we didn't even have yoga as amenity here in Vegas until we built our new yoga center, and it's just fantastic. We have Elton John there. We have Cher there. You know, like all of the stars are coming there uh, because they know that this stuff is so powerful. It keeps them out there performing, and I also think it it has some age reversing. Characteristics to it, so I'm combining my yoga, qigong with the vibrational wave platform, and it's it's just a miracle. I, I'm literally the living proof that this works. <laughs> so, oh,
1: I know, and I think and I'm helped. so
2: glad you and Josh are in vibe tribe. It's great to have you oh, with us.
1: We are totally loving it. We are definitely on board, and I think our next meeting, my dear friend, needs to be on a Zoom and maybe we do some work together and maybe we really get people to understand uh, what it's gonna take to be sexy as a senior or at any age, because I don't think people understand really, you know, they hear your words, but they're not really seeing your face right now. When you see him at the moment, it's unbelievable. I've got him on my phone, just looking like a youngster. And, but I didn't realize till today's interview, and thank you for this, the depth of your health passion. The yoga, the breathing, the, the the spiritual aspect of it. And that's definitely, you know, my DNA as well. It's when I first went to an ashram, I felt like I'd come home. I was in my 20s and I studied with yeah. Guru Mai. I've never been to Ganeshbury, India, but I would love to go. Uh, and I still practice, but not nearly as much. And I think you and I connecting is the is the universe going, hello, McFly. I'm like, okay, I hear it. Uh, that I need to wake up a little bit. We've got two minutes to the end of our show. A lot of people watching. What would you share with them? What wisdom do you want to impart upon people listening to you?
2: So I I would just like to thank you so much, Forbes, for for being with you today, because I'm telling you, you you're my sister and you so inspire me. And thank you. Thank you. It's just wonderful to be with you. Thanks to everybody out there for listening today. And I, I guess my one thing I want to say to you is never give up hope. Uh, I had someone reach out to me on Facebook today, and she said, you know, I am just going to do whatever I can to follow you, because I think the frame of mind that I've been in could be my demise. And I said, absolutely. You know, your mind is as powerful as a loaded gun. It can either help you or it can really take you backwards. So staying positive and just believing, having the faith to believe, That there is a new body for you, a new life for you, a new vitality for you. And for you people that have trouble believing, just look at Forbes and I. I mean, look at Joshua. I mean, talk about a success story. There is someone who really, really took a very, very heavy crash and brought himself back literally from the dead. I mean, so many of us, we've rebuilt ourselves, we've reinvented ourselves, and you can do it too. But you have to believe and you have to kick yourself out of bed every morning and just get in there and go for it. And when you're ready to do that, Forbes is here for you. I am here for you. Joshua is here for you. You have gurus who are willing to take your hand and walk you through the experience and bring you back to the vitality that you once knew. So don't ever give up.
1: Oh, you we're we are, we are out, we out of time, you guys. I can't believe the show is over. Doc, I'll be talking to you privately, seeing you in Vegas soon. To everybody, guys, I will see you again next time. Thank you so much for listening. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for making the Forbes Factor an important part of your week. Be sure to join Forbes Riley again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We'll see you again soon.